Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Out on the street for a living. Pictures only begun. Got you under their thumb. Hit it. <laughs> Out on the streets for a living. <laughs> Pictures only begun. Your day is sorrow and madness. Got you under their thumb. Woo, woo, black diamond. Darkness will fall on the city. It seems to follow you too. And though you don't ask for pity, there's nothing that you can do. Woo, 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 black diamond. Out on the streets for a living? Pictures only begun. Your day is sorrow and madness. Got you under their thumb. Woo, 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 black diamond. I don't, I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics of that song. But um, I thought I would read it. I really like that song, actually. There's there is a great performance of them in 1975. You know, it's funny. I've always sort of borderlined. I, I'm, not, I'm not not a big Kiss guy, as you know. I hope I don't get a lot of heat from the Kiss Army for this video. You know, like that's what happened with the Sex Pistols. I had a lot of uh, guys, pistol fans, uh, pistol whipping me for my treatment of Johnny Rotten. Um, I, I just want to put it out there. I I casually enjoy some Kiss songs. Like some of them are okay. Uh, I love Love Gun is my favorite. And Black Diamond is when I legitimately saw what I think all of their fans see in the band that they love so much. Um, you know, Paul and Gene, they're like a mixed bag. There's stuff that I really like about them and there's a lot of stuff I don't. I love that they're both Jews. I love that because, you know, you just it's just nice to see some 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 Jews, you know, out there dominating, kicking butt, taking names. And that's what they did. They dominated, you know, and I have a lot of respect for Paul Stanley and his, you know, Paul Stanley's missing an ear and felt, felt very self-conscious about his whole life and like really like put himself out there and applied himself. And he wrote about, in a, I think, in a book or something. And he went out, he wanted to be an actor. So he was doing Phantom of the, Phantom of the Opera and did a great job with that. So I just want to say a few positive things <laughs> Before we go into this, because these guys are, you know, uh, you know, they could be quite buffoonish, too. Um, I, I think even I think anybody would admit that they could be buffoonish, no matter how much you love Kiss as an entity, entity or whatnot. <clears throat> from what I can see from Kiss fandom, which, again, forgive my ignorance if I'm wrong. It seems like it almost seems like, uh, you know, the real diehard kiss fans from like the seventies that they like really love. Like it's all about ACE and Peter almost as much, you know, or especially ACE. ACE seems to be a big draw, but again, that's someone from the outside looking in. Uh, this show is all about beefs. That's what we talk about. We talk about beefs, beef. You want beef? I got to get the clip. That's what I got to do. Cause none of you know what I'm talking about when I do that. That's Nicholas cage in the best. It's so good. It's so good. A score to settle, everybody. Go to the end of a score to settle and watch Nick's do beef. 
beef. You want beef? I'll give you beef. No, we like to. We're we're discussing beefs. I like to discuss beefs on the internet. They're fun, fun, fun fodder for us to discuss. You know. Um. <laughs> yet you know, Robbie talks about Paul's autobiography. I have not listened to it all the way through, but. I the, all the clips are on YouTube, and so I've listened to a ton of the clips. That's how I know uh, about some of this stuff. I know about he he really sort of has it out for both Peter and Ace. You know the the thing about Kiss that you'll always see between those two guys and the two guys that left is there's always like a compliment followed by a backhanded slap. You know, it's always like you know Paul will be like, yeah, P, you know. Peter would sing Beth every night and everybody loved it, but he couldn't sing. Or you always have to like, you always have to like add, he couldn't just give him the thing. It's like, you always just like add something on onto it. Tonight's seltzer flavor is a Concord Clementine of the polar variety. Polar. I'm ready for a sponsorship, baby. You know where to find me. Um, yeah, if you have a chance, go check out Paul's autobiography. It is pretty interesting. I've also watched the Family Jewel show, which obviously is a very contrived show, but you know, it's fun to watch Gene Simmons, you know. I mean, Gene Simmons came from nothing. Gene Simmons' mother, one of like the toughest women who ever lived. Like raised Gene by herself, born in Haifa, Israel before it was Israel, Holocaust survivor, you know, um Gene's real name is Chaim, Chaim something. And he had to come over here and, you know, uh, really sort of learn, you know, uh, you know, truly, uh, truly an immigrant story, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, an immigrant success story. So, you know, even when these guys act like a-holes and we all know that Gene Simmons is a massive a-hole. I, I, there's, I have, uh, I do have some rev reverence for him in what he has done in his life. It's pretty, Pretty amazing wits. Chaim wits. Yeah, it's just it's very um, yeah. And and Paul had a lot of hustle, man, because yeah, as Robbie, what's the deal with his ear? He 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 was made fun of, he was missing his ear, and then he had to overcome something with his ear in order to I don't know, he overcomes something in his life with his ear. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But listen, that's enough of an interlude here. Let's get into it. So look. These guys have been partners for over 50 years because before they were even a band called Kiss, which started in 1973 in New York City, they, you know, their contemporaries were like the New York Dolls and um, what's him call it? What's his face? Uh, Harold Black and the, the Lustettes and just like a bunch of uh, a bunch of bands, a bunch of New York bands that I can't pull out of the top of my head. They played with. Blue Oyster Cult. They played with Iggy. I think they played with the Stooges. I'm not sure if they played with the Stooges, if they played with Iggy Pop. Um, but um, Kiss came up 1973. That's when they started as Kiss. Started doing the makeup in 1973. Before that, they were in a band called Wicked Lester. And that also featured Paul and Gene. So Paul and Gene have been working together for way over 50 years, not just 50 years. It'd be 50 years next year, not in a year from now, it would be 50 years as a kiss, but they've been doing Wicked Lester way longer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Here it is. Stanley, uh, Rob says 
Stanley, the one ear monster, they used to call him. He can only hear through one ear. It's called Microtia. Yeah. And he was scrutinized as a kid, left him having to seek therapy for the rest of his life. And that's why he wore his hair long. Yeah. I mean, he's overcome incredible, incredible things. I, I do have respect. I mean, a lot. You you see where those two dudes came from and you see where like a lot of their character defects or a lot of their like, you know, egotisticalness or all that stuff comes from their very, very humble beginnings, just having to fight, fight to to rise above and, and be something more than what they were, you know. Um, so these guys have been together 50 years and, you know, like like any. It, it evolves like not only are you friends because they start off right they're friends not only are they friends but they are hungry they're driven they're teammates they're creative partners they're business partners they've toured the world made millions and millions and millions of dollars you know done a million photo shoots a million music videos um they know everything about each other you have to imagine that for as much touring as that they have done together, you have to think every, I mean, maybe there's a fluke and I don't know, cause I'm not a big fan, but every single kiss show that's ever been played in the history of kiss since 1973, 50 years of kiss shows has always had to have Gene and Paul, right? So you've always had, you've always had Gene and Paul there. These guys know each other inside and out. Um, and with that comes the, uh, here's the thing, the ugly side about touring and being in a band and being in in close quarters and it's not just it's not just with touring i mean it's with all artistic pursuits where you have to be close to someone at all times you're gonna see the ugly 23 hour underbelly what does that mean it means something like this i i, I broke this down on a podcast over a year ago i'm gonna break it down again because it, it, i think it applies to these guys or in this situation if you see somebody, let's say you know someone for 15 years and you only see them one hour per day or one hour per week. I think one hour per week is realistic. Let's say it's somebody who's on your bowling team and you bowl and you see them one hour a week, but you've seen them for 20 years. You say, I know this guy for 20 years, but the reality is you only spent that one hour a week. Or let's say that you know him for five years and you only spent one hour a week, one hour a week, that's 52 hours times five is 200 260 ish hours sorry don't know my math that well 260 ish hours and then if you divide that up so in reality you haven't spent very much time with them at all you've only spent 260 hours someone you know divide that up that's just that's a bunch of weeks over over a five-year period now imagine that you spend 23 hours out of the day or 12 hours or 16 hours or 18 hours out of day every day for weeks on end multiple. I mean, it, you get to see every single side of that person. It's like living with someone, you know, it's like living with someone. What's going on, Amy. Hope you had a nice Christmas. Welcome to the chat. You too, Robbie, anybody else. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Kwanzaa Hanukkah, all of it, all of it. So, so, uh, you know, and then the other part of this, the other thing, sorry, I'm like just sucking tonight with the talking and not being very straightforward in what I'm trying to say. The other part of this is you have YouTube 
and you have cameramen and we get this incredible trifecta of two guys that have literally spent years upon years upon years together hating each other. Cause that's the other thing too, is that like, you, you know, again, you, you love each other, your brothers, brothers love each other and they hate each other. And like, you know, for as much as Gene and Paul probably have some semblance of love, even if they can't stand being in the same room together, there's probably a deep reverence. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with friggin' uh, Johnny and Joey Ramon. Those guys hate each other. They couldn't stand each other. They beef with each other. And yet at the same time, they were, you know, inseparable partners. Johnny would never think of doing the Ramones without Joey. And Joey couldn't do the Ramones without Johnny. They were partners forever, no matter how much they disagreed or didn't get along. So it's like, it's like, you know, here's a here is this insane moment that's captured on camera and then uploaded on youtube for us where these two guys who spent so much time together are just like oh and it's just it's bad man i mean it's not bad but it's like it's 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 definitely cringy and it's just something that you never expect to see like if you hear that two people don't get along like you don't it's hard to imagine how the disagreements may or may not happen but i don't know we got we got John in the house. I know he's a big Kiss fan. He says he hung out with Paul in a recording studio in 1983 with two other friends, and he was the nicest guy. That's awesome. Answered all our questions and gave us a listening preview to their next record, Animal Eyes. So there you go. There, There's a great example of Paul Stanley's good side. Um, and Amy says, Paul... Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are business partners. Their business is KISS. They were never BFFs. They have a common goal and pretty similar ideas as to achieve their goal. Yes, I think that's the way it is the majority of the time. And I'm saying this as an outsider. I'm not a, I am not a diehard fan or have any kind of inside knowledge like the way maybe John or anybody who's a KISS fan might know. But I would say, I would add on top of what Amy is saying here too, that that even with all that said, those guys still must love each other or have some sort of, you know, synergy or, or, you know, just uh connectiveness for each other that they've been together for so long. So uh, the point is, I just wanted to pour over each one of these factors that is definitely going to lead into what we're about to see right now. So let's keep the show moving along, trying to be, trying to be brisk not pour over and pour over. So this let's, what is this from? This is from, okay. So here's what we're about to watch here. This is the full interview. It's the full clip from, this is from December 12th, 1993. And it was prior to kiss taping for Dick Clark's new year's Eve show in 1994. So they're about two weeks out before, uh, before the actual new year's Eve is going to come rolling in and they're, they're sort of doing a, a pre-tape sort of situation for Dick Clark's show. And uh, one other thing that we should recognize, as John mentioned as well, the, um, oh, shit, what was I about to say? Not John. Uh, what was I about to say? Uh, I just had a giant bottle. Uh, let's, let's briefly touch on the fact that these guys have taken off the makeup. So that's the other thing about Kiss. Kiss at a certain point in time. And I have to tell you, it's a baller move. What they did to take off their makeup when they did. And I'll tell you something. People love to dunk on Kiss without their makeup. And I don't, again, not, I don't like any of that music. D completely over my head. However, 
I watched some live kiss when they had the makeup off. I think Eric Carr was the drummer. I don't know who was playing second guitar. Maybe it was Vinnie Vincent. And I got to tell you that stage show, the energy that they put on, it's just like an eighties hair metal band. Unbelievable. Unfriggin' believable that. Yeah. It's a baller move. It's like, we've done the makeup thing for so long. We're, we need to evolve. We need to grow. Let's take off the makeup. It was a brave move. It could have destroyed their career, and it didn't. They they kept going, man. They kept going. They they have they they kept going throughout the eighties and into the nineties. They tried to do the tried to jump in on the grunge thing too. They were doing the kiss unplugged situation. Amy says they've been working together for almost fifty years. Paul Stanley didn't even invite Gene to his wedding because of Gene's negative attitude towards the institution of marriage. So there you go. But again, I chalk that up to. I chalked that up to two brothers just like hating each other for the moment. You know, at the end of the day, those dudes have been through it all. And because they're business partners, they are a united front, even when they can't stand each other. Look at the what the Rolling Stones, you know, those guys hate Mick Jagger, like hate him. They've hated him for 30 years. But yet they still go out there and they're still the Rolling Stones. And they're doing the Rolling Stones thing for money. Yes, but they're still doing it. They tried to do the solo career. Didn't work out for him. Keith Richards tried to do his solo album. Mick Jagger tried to put do a solo album. It just doesn't, none of it stuck. So they went back doing the, the Rolling Stones. Really, really uh, interesting to contrast with the Beatles, right? Who, you know, they love to sort of dunk on the Beatles and be like, yeah, we're still going, doing stadium shows. It's like, Yo, the Beatles, like, they stopped in 1970. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, you don't see the old tired Beatles doing their old tired Beatle thing. Paul McCartney performs his songs, rightfully so. So does Ringo, but um, <laughs> it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. No, I, I just to, just to note again, all of that, all of this just to say, just to note, just to take a note that, that, that they are not wearing their makeup in this video and it's, you know, they're trying to sort of do a nineties grunge thing. It's not really working. They, they chase the trends, you know, they kind of were out to chasing the trends. And then what happens is about two years from now, they reunite with Ace and Peter and they go back to doing the makeup thing. And it's one of the most successful rock and roll reunions there ever was. I mean, they made millions. Well, uh, Paul and Gene made millions of dollars and, and Ace and, Peter got kind of kind of uh, screwed over. Depending on depending on whose side of the story you 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 stand on, what POV you think is correct. Some people think that they got a raw deal, and the other people are going, "No, you know what? They left the band. Now they come back in. They're they're not equal partners anymore." So I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that probably stand on different different sides of the um, situation. At least they still work with each other. Yeah, the Gallagher boys. Actual brothers cannot. It's very true from Oasis. They can't. John says, I know a lot of Misfits fans won't agree, but there's a lot of older Misfits fans that feel a kinship with Kiss. You know, John, I do, I actually do agree with you, and I have seen that. There are a lot of people that are big Kiss fans that are also Misfit fans, and, and some of the older ones. Uh, St I know Steve Zing is a big, uh, is a big uh, Kiss fan, or at least he used to be. A, a big kiss fan on some level. Um, John says it's because of the theatrics. Um, Lord says their retirement was so successful that they are 
Attila retiring. Yes, it's true. They are still retiring. They have, they've never stopped. Um, Robbie says, I don't think Paul ever liked Gene. That's the way his book paints it. Gene's first encounter turned Paul off. Gene thought John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and Gene Witz were the only good songwriters. Yeah, but but you'd have to, that's when, when did he write that autobiography? That's Paul after having so much success as a member of KISS, like, you know, writing that. That's not Paul in the 70s, and that's not Paul, you know, in the Wicked Lester days. I mean, sure, he probably was rubbed the wrong way, but quite clearly those two developed a bond that allowed them to do what they did. You, ha I mean, there has to be, you can't stay together that long and not be, uh, have some sort of affinity or understanding in the very least. And I'm sure that those guys have moments through all the, the BS, this, the one we're about to watch, not being one of them, where they, where they sort of, you know, you, you have a shared history with someone for that friggin' long, you know, there's, there's a moment where it's where ev there's everybody in the room. And then it's you two, you two versus everybody else, because only you and them were there for that thing. You know what I mean? Like there's, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I think that's Paul sort of quarterback armchair next day, revising his feelings about the situation. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. What is Neon Knees says? Uh, I can't see your comments, Neon Knees. They're not showing up. I don't know what that's about. All right. No more, no, no more preamble. Let's uh let's oh my god, wait a minute. It's very sticky right now. Did you know that? Something else that's sticky is rock stickers. <laughs> Sorry, it was so bad. We'll do it after. We'll do it after. Sorry, I, I I didn't have it in me. It was just so. It was so cheesy. It was so cheesy. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at the clip, guys. All right. Let me know if you can or cannot hear this. Okay, we're we're doing our thing. Let us begin. Hold on. Very important. Let me know if you can't hear it. Actually, I don't know if there's much. If like there's much I can really do. I don't think so. Okay, I remember these are going to be for either one of you two, whoever wants to answer, okay? Let me know, let's do it. Waiting for speed. So, right off the bat, so they're they're about to do this this thing, this interview. I don't know if this is part of the Dick Clark special, or if they're just, someone's getting an opportunity to do the interview. Look at Gene's mug here. He just looks like a mad... He looks like a madman and Paul looks like he just wants to get this over with. And I think, I, you know, Gene used to wear the, the Crimson Ghost skull on his T-shirt. I don't know if he is right here, but it looks like he's wearing some kind of some kind of skull situation. Who knows? OK. And let's continue. What about that silly music in the background? That's OK. I knew that. Okay, yeah, we gotta go with the music, okay? If you can turn it off, I'd love to, but that's in the park. I can turn it off, so let's, just, let's just go. Okay, here we go, stand by. And we're watching you no matter what. You know, right. I'm gonna try no your way, Dave. You're gonna be walking camera. around me. So I want to look at him. No looking I'll just stand back here. Paul Paul sounds like he's dealing with like a, just just a halfwit, you know? No looking into the camera. No looking. <laughs> 
And Gene just like Gene, it sounds like every other word out of Gene's mouth is just gonna sound like just like such a like a goof. Like, oh, oh, don't look at the camera. I knew that. Like, just shut up. Hold on one second. Don't look into the camera. Like we've been here before, and you look into the camera. Mind you, they've they've been doing this for twenty years now. One little problem, video wise. Yeah, there's two ugly guys in front of the camera. We got some video problems. Okay. Paul is so uncomfortable. Oh, okay, guys. What was the wildest personal ex personal appearance you've ever made? Wow. Do me a favor. One thing. If I ask a question, if you're going to respond, try to include the, the question wildest. in the answer. Everyone on a walkie, please turn them off. Everyone on a walkie, please what turn them off. What was the wildest personal appearance? You know, I, I, I cherish videos like this because this is just so... I mean, it's so revealing about like these personalities, these larger than life personalities, and you're just seeing what it's really like behind the scenes. It's fascinating, man. Parents you've ever made. What was the wildest personal appearance? Probably the wildest thing that ever happened to us was going to Brazil. And most of the time when we traveled around the world, people have told us how big we are in the countries. But when we got to Brazil, we did shows in stadiums, the biggest being 200,000 people, the smallest, which was the intimate show, we did 65,000 people. So it was pretty humbling to have military in front of you with guard dogs and be led in a military uh, procession. You know, I, I hate it when people use the word humbling when it's like something that's like a great feat. Like that's a tremendous feat, 65 to 200,000 people watching you and needing all that security. And he says it's pretty humbling. The, the definition of humbling is to recognize exactly what you are, but in a in sort of like a positive, you know, recognizing that you're at the right size. And it's like, but it usually generally means that you're that you are less than what you think you are. And in this case, it's like recognizing that you're bigger than anything. So it's like kind of like a backhanded way of using the word humbling. And it bothers me to no end. I can't I can't stand. I can't stand it when people it's such a humble brag sort of thing to do it like this. It's just I don't know. Um, John recommends that everyone watch Kiss on the 1976 Paul Lind Halloween special. That was my Ed Sullivan Beatles moment. I will check it out. I will definitely check it out. Dory likes Kiss. Jerry's in the middle. Not a biggest fan of respects and then Danzig hates them. Um, okay. It was uh, pretty much the wildest thing that's happened to us. What's the strangest request you've ever received from a fan? Uh, the strangest request was having to do with a baby and uh, a lady who didn't mind if I gave her one. That was pretty strange. Oh, boy. I, I declined. So, <laughs> so again, it's just like Paul's like 20 years. 20 years. Oh, boy. Like, like God damn. I got you. You're doing the baby thing again. He's talking about the baby thing again. Just like, just totally... <laughs> just so like fed up with each other so and like you know gene is all about it this, this is such a this is so strange like this is such a strange clip what's the most unusual gift you've ever received most unusual gift um the baby the ba yeah the, the imaginary baby the uh we get so many gifts all the time that it's hard so 
we're going to see we're, we're, it's about to happen right now. Look at the look on Gene's face. And if you're watching the podcast version, yes, we are available on Apple podcasts and Spotify podcasts and all sorts of podcasts. By the way, if you're not subscribed, can you please subscribe to this channel or like share and comment on this video? Um, look at Gene's face. He is just, his, he's just, he, he looks like he, it looks like he just made in his diaper as, as Paul has dismissed his, um, <laughs> Paul has dismissed his notion of, of a woman wanting him to give her a baby. Uh, and that has not sat well with Gene because they're on camera. And it, this is, this moment is, is surreal to say what the, the best is, you know, obviously you, you can always make up stories or tell things about women and Gene's thinking and about it right partying. now. But I think the best thing and the biggest gift we've ever gotten is 20 years of doing what we do. And that comes from the people and that comes from their heart and soul. So that's a little more important than, you know, we can talk about, oh, there's so many women. Any idiot can get a, a woman when they're on tour, but this is a lot more important and a lot more heartfelt than the bragging about the other stuff. Would you, would you cut? You see, he just, he just does not like, Paul is, uh, uh, is throwing him shade without looking at him. And he's just, he's had it. And we just, hold on. I just stepped over it. Let's, let's go back. Hold on. Ready? And a lot more heartfelt than the bragging about the other stuff. Would you, would you cut? Oh, hold on one second. Cut this off for a second. Would you stop cutting me down in front of a camera? I don't go for that shit. Go on. <laughs> I don't know. All of a sudden, like whatever I say, all of a sudden, don't listen to this idiot. Don't go do on. that anymore. Go on. <laughs> what was the first time you? That was amazing. Would you stop cutting me. This is a lot more important and a lot more so, heartfelt. So. He, so this is like the big part, but like, it's just, again, it's just, it's so like bananas to watch this. Because like, you know, Paul just is not going to go along with jeans, like, like his shtick. That's what it is. And then Gene, I mean, this moment, the only way to describe this moment is it it's like it's like what you imagine like when uh, a, a woman is uh, in a in a bad situation uh, in a an abusive relationship. It's like Paul is acting like the 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 wife the 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 wife who is uh, who is abused and in public and doesn't want there to be a scene. So she just kind of goes like that kind of thing. And, and I know that sounds like a that's a very uh, sort of uh, very generalized uh, stereotype and very, but it's a very like uh, blanket sort of generalization, but it's just the, the the thing that really comes to mind. Like watch how he just sort of like Paul just was like, Oh no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Like ready right, right now. Then the bragging about the other stuff. Would you, would you cut? Oh, hold on one second. Cut this off for a second. Would you stop cutting me down in front of a camera? I don't go for that shit. Go on. Uh, okay, go on. Like he doesn't want to get, ha doesn't want the confrontation. It's like just reminds me of that scenario. Uh, a, 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 an angry, an angry husband, uh, sort of, you know, uh, who's abusive towards his wife, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Gene is saltier than a sack of pre pretzels. Is that what you mean to say? 
According to Paul from his book, he was kiss and the others are all flawed. See that, that, that there you go, Robbie. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like that's Paul after he's had all the success as kiss and done, brought all the stuff as kiss and, you know, just doesn't recognize, you know, the reality of what he had with, with Gene. Um, Kime, Kime Wits. Yeah. So there's just this like sort of, uh, it seems like a, like a bad domestic spousal situation uh, being um, sort of enacted here in some way, shape or form. I don't know. Like this is the, the vibe that I get. Um I'm going to watch it one more time. Would you stop cutting me down in front of the camera? Like if that camera, like if that camera was not rolling, that he would try and pop, pop Paul right in the face. Who'd win in a fight, by the way, who's going to win in the fight? Is it going to be Gene? Is Gene going to win or is Paul going to win? I mean, I don't know if it's funny per se. He's, 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 he's Israeli dude. He's a Jew from Israel. It's a Jewish name. I don't know what's so funny about that. I don't know what's so funny about that. In in Paul's book, he admits so much self-pault and his F-ups along the way. I don't think it's fair to summarize the book that way. Interesting. Interesting. So Ravi says that Paul uh Paul's appraisal of his of his of everybody else is uh contrasts his own faults. And, uh, as well, that that Paul is not um, the only one to be, uh, or that Paul is is not without fault either. Um, Gene comes off like the little brother always gets side. You know what? I think I like that one better than my domestic situation, which feels a little bit more insensitive. And I like that one a lot better. Let's let's go with that instead, instead of the first thing off the top of my head. Um, the uh, yeah, Gene does feel like the little brother and the older brother who doesn't want to make a scene about it in, in front of the camera. And it's just kind of like, ah, yeah, sure. Whatever. That kind of thing. Go on. Go on. No, no. All of a sudden, like whatever I say, all of a sudden, he's like, I, I don't know. If whatever I say, well, uh, and then he turns to the camera and he says, uh, "Stop listening, idiot." To this idiot. Don't Go do on. that. Anymore. Stop listening to this idiot. Go on. No, no. All of a sudden, like whatever I say, all of a sudden, don't listen to this idiot. Don't Go do on. that anymore. Come on. Don't listen to this idiot. Don't do that anymore. And Paul's just like doesn't even want, doesn't even want to. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't want to admit. He just wants to gloss over it. So uncomfortable. Um, Robbie says he he also uh, does definitely point out everyone's faults. Don't get me wrong, but he definitely talks about where he went wrong. He's not without sin. I you know from listen. I didn't read the whole book, but I de- I listened to a lot of audio excerpts, and all of them they they just all of them are about Ace and and Peter and uh, Gene just and how they. All of their stuff. I, I I have not listened. I have not seen that stuff, but I've not read the book like Robbie, so I can't I can't really comment. But everyone else's screw ups were unfathomable and intolerable, including Gene in the 80s when he tried to get into movies. Yes, that I did read about, about how Gene wanted to become a, a big producer. That's where Trick or Treat comes from. And that's where Detroit Rock City comes from. I mean, that was that was his his doing. Let's watch the rest of this clip. I don't think any nothing else happens. That that was the big dust up. But still, it's just super awkward. <laughs> it's just super awkward and crazy. Let's just do it one more time. 
Ready? And a lot more heartfelt than the bragging about the other stuff. Would you, would you cut? Oh, hold on one second. Cut this off for a second. Would you stop cutting me down in front of the camera? I don't go for that shit. Go on. <laughs> I don't know, all of a sudden, like, whatever I say, all of a sudden, don't listen to this idiot. Don't go do on. that anymore. Go on. What was the first... It, you know what's so funny? Like, when you contrast everything that Gene just said with how he looks, he's wearing this long leather trench coat, and he's kind of like, he's got his, like, he's, like, hunched down with his neck kind of hanging out, and he just looks like a... He just looks like a goon, man. <laughs> I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Um, Robbie says, Robbie says, in terms of Gene, because he just left Paul to handle Kiss 100% by himself, Paul didn't have movies to fall back on. It's not fair to just leave one person to handle a group and that Gene would reap the rewards. So it sounds like there was a time in the 80s where, you know, Paul is just completely steering this ship and Gene is off trying to not only, you know, he's trying to break into movies and, and do more. And that didn't really work out. It's funny. It's funny if you look at the trajectory. He does that. That doesn't work out. These guys try to tr uh, chase the uh, the grunge trend for about two seconds. Um, they do the acoustic thing. And then during the acoustic stuff, they reunite with with uh, Ace and, and Peter, and that leads to the 1996 makeup tour. In a weird kind of way, it is a similar trajectory to, um, you know, Jerry only a little bit in the sense that Jerry left the Misfits. Jerry tried to do his own thing with Christ the Conqueror, even though it was not all one band as Kiss. Trying to do Christ the Conqueror, Christ the Conqueror doesn't work out, goes back to doing the Misfits. But a different version of the Misfits. Although I would say that Kiss from 1996 is very similar to Kiss, you know, from 19, whatever, what is it, 1981? Prior, 1980, 1973, 1981, something like that. All right, let's listen on. Time you realized what effect you had on your fans. Probably the first time uh, happened in New York City when we first got together. We were opening up for um, local groups, groups that never really made it. And uh, immediately we knew because, uh, I mean, in the beginning we were just playing rock and roll and didn't really have a sense of what it really was. And then we saw the effect it had on the people. And then we immediately. Like, I know that Gene has never taken a drink or a drug in his life, but he looks so strung out and crazy here. Like, he just looks absolutely insane. Like, you know, if you don't think that, uh, you know, uh, SEX isn't a drug, it most certainly is. And Gene is incredibly strung out on it. We knew this is big. This is going to happen fast. When you first start out, who were your who were your own idols? When you first started, who were you looking up to in the way of music? Well, there was so much happening with music. Um, I think, obviously, Elvis and stuff like that has been an influence. But I think, more importantly, if you go back further, you get to the blues and stuff like that. And if you're going to be influenced by rock and roll, you got to go back a little further. So um, obviously you got Elvis, you got the Beatles, but you also have Howlin' Wolf, you have Muddy Waters, you have people who really wrote the book that everything's based on. 
then obviously you get the Who, Led Zeppelin, things like that. But your homework's important. I I will say there is nobody is like a more seasoned interviewee than Paul Stanley. He is so good in front of the camera, even in a bad situation like this. This is like a, a train wreck of an interview. But even in a train wreck of an interview, he, he kind of can conduct himself. It's kind of amazing uh, what he how he is able to just sort of output like that. Um, Amy says Paul Stanley is in fact the driving force behind the band and most everything it does. Gene Simmons never met a microphone he didn't like and has never led uh led anyone to believe anything other than dot 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 the fact that he he's the brains behind the business side of Kiss and that he calls the shots. I mean, I get that. Like I could see you could I mean I could understand how Paul takes over leadership while Gene pursues in movies and then Gene never leaves. So he's still a fully he's, he has full ownership of the band, but now it's Paul who is in the driver's seat, like head on. But if you've watched the reality show, which I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I have the, the family jewels show, um, you know, they, Gene loves to like sort of, portray himself as this like business guru who makes all these i gotta make a business deal i gotta make a business deal okay so you know and and you know what's interesting he's still it's like he recognizes that he's full of himself and he knows that it's almost like he's like well if i'm aware that i'm full of myself and if i'm aware that i'm an i'm an a-hole even he put out an album called a-hole you know what I'm saying? If I'm aware of it, then I can continue to act like it unchecked because I'm aware of it and making fun of it and embracing it myself. And so it's like it's like he, too, has like almost like this crafted persona. Well, I will say I, Paul does feel like he has uh, there's something more genuine to him. But again, I will say this time again, even after something like this. I think that there have to be moments, especially when they're when it's them versus the other guys. There have to be moments where those guys, you know, have affinity for each other, especially in like a real sort of big picture kind kind of way. Um, Vince says, Robbie Bloodshed, I agree. It was unfair due to the pressure put on Paul, but he actually became a better songwriter due to working with many outside writers. Um. Yes, I know this. I know he used to wear the Misfits sculpture. I thought he was in this interview. I just love what he's wearing. He has a skull. He's wearing a cross. He's Jewish, but he's wearing a cross on his neck, and he's got a big leather jacket duster, and he looks like he's strung out on drugs despite being completely sober. Uh, <laughs> what a goof, man. <laughs> um. John says the first time I ever saw Jerry and Doyle in person was in the Radio City Music Hall lobby for Kiss's Lick It Up show. They were drawing a crowd Were they dressed. Wow. Were they dressed as, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, John is all these incredible. John comes on the show. He talks about the first Danzig show. He has all these incredible friggin' uh, uh, other little uh, antidotal things and, and, and uh, only comments on them. <laughs> After videos, dude, I would have loved to have heard about this. So, were they in makeup? What was their deal? That's so funny. Yes, they were. Uh, John says yes, they were all done up. 
didn't they they used to go those guys used to go to the misfits guys used to show up at kiss conventions jerry and doyle in the early 90s would show up at kiss conventions and walk around fully decked out. i think that's where they they would sell a lot of those misfits decks that they found under miss mrs uh anzalone's uh uh deck in the back were were, were sold at at that those kiss conventions or something like that um Robbie says that Doyle claims to have fallen asleep during that show. Interesting. Yeah, but he loves Paul Stanley. He is like he hangs up posters of Paul Stanley in his in his one in his uh tour bus. All right, let's keep watching this thing. Did you ever have your clothes? <laughs> the silence. Stolen? I gave my clothes willingly. They didn't have to be stolen. The uh every once in a while the uh the trucks would wind up in the wrong city, whatever, but it doesn't really matter. You get up on stage and do the show anyway with whatever you're wearing. But, uh, you know, in the beginning when we were doing six, seven days a week of touring cons consistently, you know, sometimes the truck would veer off and wind up in Timbuktu. It doesn't matter, though. What? It, Gene almost looks like he doesn't look like a real person. He looks like an animatronic Muppet that's being, like, controlled underneath the underneath the jacket like like he's like like an animatronic <laughs> and he's just answer i don't know he's just there's something so weird about gene in this friggin' thing he just looks like he looks really weird what are your fan letters like our fan letters are typical of any other band we get letters from women we get all that kind of stuff but we also get stuff about how we've influenced people how they wouldn't be doing what they're doing now if it hadn't been for us um, we get letters from you know you name it from lawyers from doctors and these aren't ones who are sending bills either so it's uh, it really runs the gamut do fans ever try to meet you in devious ways yeah, you'll, you will meet uh, members of your family that you never knew existed. You'll meet brothers, sisters that you never knew you had. Look at him. He's not a real human being. He is, he is absolutely a Muppet. And uh, in fact, one show, I actually had a security guy standing in front of me with a, with a guy, a teenage guy, who was saying, it's Bob. It's your brother, Bob. I don't have any Oh, my God. Bob. They are miserable. They are so miserable. Look at them. Look at <laughs> you know what I want? I want a painting of this. I want like, you know, American Gothic with the pitchfork. I want I want these guys American Gothic style <laughs> with 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 uh Gene like this. <laughs> My God. How many hours a week do you devote to creating music? I think music is something that I love how Gene doesn't even answer. He just waits for Paul to say something. Is in your blood. And even when you're not playing and even when you yeah, see, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Paul is like, I just think music is in your, like he just pulls these answers out of nowhere, out of the just back pocket. These like sort of lofty abstract answers that kind of answer the question, but are also kind of like, you could kind of like interchange them and fit them in any, into a variety of different scenarios. So it sounds like you're saying something of substance. You know what I mean? You're not writing. You're kind of like building up a reservoir of stuff to write about. I don't really 
work by the clock. The reason I got into music in the first place was so that I wouldn't have to punch a clock. This is something that can happen any hour of the day or night. It's really, you're on call 24 hours a day for inspiration, however it comes. That, that actually makes sense. Have your fans ever got past your security? And if so, what happened? It happens. It happens a lot, in fact. And uh, our security have standing orders to treat them as nicely as they can, because without our fans, we wouldn't be here. And it's not just a phrase we throw around. And uh, as you can tell, fans are right here. There's no big deal. I mean, we respect them, and they respect us. And adulation is one thing, but being mistreated is another. You know, it's interesting. I really wonder how true that is. Like, I want to believe that's the truth, because... Kiss has always been very in touch with their fans. I mean, that's why they have such, they have like this loyal diehard fan base. I mean, what other, and you could chalk it up to ego too, but it's like, how cool is it that they do? I wish I was a big enough Kiss fan that I would want to go on a Kiss cruise. I mean, maybe I wouldn't actually. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that would be like. Uh, could you imagine Jerry Only's cruise? Like, like Jerry's cruise for the Misfits? Like, where, when are we going to get that? That's what I want. For the kids. Ha! No, that'd be really great. It's not a problem. Look, he's such a Muppet, dude. Look, he's got his hands in his pockets. He just he doesn't look like a airport. It's like it's like he is being controlled from behind that stage. Stories. Anything memorable ever happened in an airport? Memorable things happen in airplanes, but you know. In airports, you know, you get snowed in, you wind up uh, sleeping on a, a seat, waiting to get a plane. You know, you're in between flights, but airport stories, I don't know. Let me see this. Is there anybody left in the music industry that you would still like to meet or you'd still like to play with? I have a feeling at some point I'm gonna meet Elvis, but uh, that's not gonna be for a while yet. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You want us to leave the song? No. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's such a goof, man. He is such he's such a goof, dude. All right, I'm not gonna watch this one. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. Um he's a goof, man. He's a he's a goof troop. Uh yes, that exactly it's grunge, it's grunge era kiss. That's what it is, man. That's what it is. Robbie says, Paul Stanley really shows off his perfect articulation and never-ending analogies on Joe Rogan. It's insane, but astonishing. Did he, are you talking about that interview that he did on 2013, in 2013? If, if so, I've seen that one, and it's interesting to hear him talk about the pirating stuff, the music pirating stuff. I don't know if that's the particular uh, one you are speaking of. Uh, John says, I remember seeing Paul being visually annoyed at Vinnie Vincent's extended gar- guitar solos. Interesting. Very interesting. I I am blown away by 80s era Kiss. They really do. You know what? Let's just look at it real quick. I know we did this very recently. I just, I, I'm always sort of blown away by this. Let me see if I could find it. Super quick, guys. Super quick. Uh, maybe I can't. What is it? Kiss uh animalize uh full concert. Maybe that's what it is. 
Yeah, this is the one. I mean, this is this is really this is so this is so outrageous. I I, I was I was blown away because like they just they just for them to like take off the makeup again. We talked. We just said this earlier that they take off the makeup. Super ballsy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do to take off the makeup, but they do it and then they go out. Hold on, let's see. Let's pull up the. Uh, let's see here. Let's start at Detroit Rock City real quick. This is pretty cool. No, that's not what we want. Oh no! It's we got the spinning wheel of death. Damn it! Come on! Look at them. They're everything's faster. They're going faster. It's really cool. It's a good uh, what's it called? Call it. It's a. It's a good stage show, man. They just they put in so much energy. You know, they, they, they can't rely on any of the uh, the theatrics that they used to have. So they just replace it with high, high energy. I mean, really high energy. The drummer, I think that's Eric Carr. He just goes so fast, man. And they just don't, they don't pull out any punches. They're tight. Sound really good, man. And it's they're almost like it's almost like a punk version of Kiss in a weird kind of way. I said, honey, that ain't no pistol. That's my love gun. Yeah. I mean, they play it so fast. Look at him. Boom. That's why he has he he has both of his hips replaced from all of that prancing around with uh, high heels on. Just eroded his joints, man. But you can't deny. I mean, listen, listen, for as long as he did it, kind of amazing. Now, if you see the uh, footage of Kiss now, he just sort of like stands in place. He can't really move around anymore, especially they're wearing all that stuff. You hear, I mean, he's not really wearing heavy, heavy gear the way, say, Gene is. Gene is wearing much heavier, heavier stuff. You pull the trigger on my love gun. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if Gene or Paul ever met a misfit in person. Maybe, maybe uh, Jerry. I, I don't know. Be interesting. Interesting for sure. In Paul's book, hold on, wait. In Paul's book, he rips on Gene constantly and everybody else in the band. Best part about Paul's book is when he rips on jeans crappy movies um i wonder if jerry and doyle have hip problems from their boots i mean they weren't doing the the high energy stuff that these guys were doing i mean you know paul stanley you know for what i mean 35 i don't know when he got his stuff replaced but like for as long as he was doing it he had it for so friggin' long, dude. Just dancing around like that and just getting um uh just eroding those joints. If you watch Blackie Lawless from Wasp Live, he copied all of Paul Stage movements. Interesting. Um, John says, I have insight. I knew this guy, Jeff Mellon, 
who is Eric Carl. <laughs> I knew this guy, Jeff Mellon, who is Eric Carl's cars, cars, not Carl's cars, girlfriend's brother. Wait, girlfriend's brother. It's the brother of Eric Carr's girlfriend who saw firsthand, uh, firsthand Vinnie Vincent sitting on an NYC curb crying after just being fired. Whoa. That is, that's nuts. Yeah, that's a big split. Vinnie Vincent was only in the band for like two years or something, but like, he seems like a, like a cult favorite amongst fans, you know? I don't know what that's about. All right, let's skip over to Black Diamond. Do they play Black Diamond? Yeah, here we go. I love that song. Is that what this is? This is called Unmasked? I thought this was uh, Animal Eyes. Am I? No, this is Animal Eyes Live. I mean, those, those, those outfits are nuts. Just nutty, nutty outfits. You know, and yeah, they're just playing it so fast. They play all the songs way fast. Look at him running and running and running. I don't know if he's wearing high heels in this particular show, but just jumping across the stage for, you know, an hour and a half while they're, uh, you know, not not to mention they're, you know, performing this is really high energy. Now, do they do the thing that they used to do with Ace? Black Diamond. You know this is the problem. It's the same thing that they ran into with, with Robo and the Misfits. You're playing so fast that you almost lose the soul of the song. You're just playing it too fast. You can't enjoy it. Look at them. They're all running up the, the staircase. And now you, you can just almost hear Paul telling them how they're going to do it. Now we'll run up the staircase and go to the top of the stairs. <laughs> they're like They're like little boys going up, running up to their clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, here it is. No, they're not doing the thing. They're not doing the thing they used to do with uh, Ace. And it's really cheesy. It's a cheesy move, but it just worked. You know, that's what kisses cheesy. I, I, now, okay, we got we to gotta look at one more video. Hold on. Let's look at one more video. I want to look at the original Black Diamond video from 75. Let me find it. That'll be the final thing we look at, okay? Um. Black Diamond Kiss. Let's see here. Black Diamond. Here. This is cool. You like the template? Oh, oh, that's what you were referring to. The template, template of cheese metal. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, this is really, this is, this is gnarly, man. This is from 1975. And, and I mean, that's, that is the beginning of the band. You know, and hold on a second. Let's, I, I'm not, not going to watch this whole thing. Let's go to the, the part. Look at how crazy, look at how crazy Gene looks in 1975 in that outfit, man. I mean, that is trippy. 
really is trippy. It is, it is absolutely borderline Kabuki. It's like, it's so Kabuki inspired in like the coolest way. Um, here. I think this is it. Oh no, right here. Now, now you're going to watch. Look, look how, look how Gene, he, look at that fiendish grin. Gene has this fiendish grin. He turns the mic to the side, right? So they could do this, this move that they've clearly worked out. I love it, man. It's like they're worshiping aces, guitar playing. And it's just, it, there's something about the synchron, the, the synchronized moves. It's just really, it's, I like watching it. I just like watching it. I can't describe it. I don't know. Um, it's just really great. And yeah, I mean, Ace is playing good guitar here. I actually, I met Ace several times. Uh, I kind of didn't even really know that I knew him. I didn't know it was Ace when I met him. I didn't find out until I was watching when Kiss ruled the world on VH1. And I was like, wait a minute. I know that guy. That's Ace Freely. It was really funny. Uh, knew his daughter too, a little bit. Uh, Monique. Yeah, look at that. Just really, really neat. I mean, that ver that version of Kiss is really cool. I mean, it's it's goofy too, but like you could see why that was so popular in the late 70s, man. You know? And it's not like they're doing any one kind of thing in particular. Like you can't like exactly say what they are. They're just, they're doing just this random assortment. It's like a potpourri of, of, of theatrics that, that just all blend together and make kiss. Like as we said, Kabuki, there's elements of Kabuki. There's elements of, you know, you get the fireworks he's doing, you know, they're doing circus stuff, you know, with uh, the, um, what's it called? Uh, yeah. They're smashing the instruments, of course. Uh, but they're doing the who thing of smashing the instruments, but the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, you know, explosions uh, like the who as well, uh, but breathing fire, just all that stuff, uh, b uh, oozing blood. All of that stuff, it just made for a great rock and roll show, man. What could you say? <laughs> That's great. It's really great. Um, uh, before we we're going to go to some comments in a second. Before we do, I have to say I've gotten really, really sticky since the beginning of this video and not in that kind of way. Uh, but you know what else is sticky stickers stickers are sticky just the way that I'm sticky after watching these videos, Riotstickers.com. That was a terrible segue into the sponsor Riotstickers.com. from us is powered by Riotstickers.com. What does that mean? It means that right here with for 50%, you can get 50% off uh, 50 stickers from riotstickers.com using the promo code from us, okay? Normally, it's $59 for 53-inch by 3-inch stickers. But if you go into the description of this video and you click on the link, it will take you to the landing page, and you can get your stickers from Josh, Sharpie Riot. You cannot beat riotstickers.com. They know what's up. They know what they're doing. I did business with riotstickers.com. I love doing business with them. And that price is $29.50 with the promo code from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. You're going to get 50% off. You can't beat it. Um, let's just uh, take a little look-see at the video See.
Okay, okay. Let's go to some comments now as we wind down here, see what people are saying. Paul Stanley was tapped to produce Guns N' Roses' first album. Think about it. What Did he produce Guns N' Roses' first album? I don't know. That's another band I don't know nothing about nothing. Um, Paul Stanley actually sang it better to at one concert in 97 or 98 when Peter Chris pulled a diva move and said he was quitting one show. Oh, I did not know that. You know, I, again, I'll tell you what, from what I saw from reading those excerpts, it just always felt like he was trying to take something away. Like the one thing that Peter Chris had was that he sang on those songs and he's beloved by the fans. And I feel like that always pissed Paul Stanley off, you know, like I feel like that always rubbed him the wrong way uh, in a variety of different things. And so those guys always had, uh, you know, they always had a dagger out for him no matter what was, no matter what, how things were going to play up, whether Peter Chris is being a diva, whether they're screwing him over with money, whatever the situation is, it's never going to work out. Those guys just cannot work out. I do think that I do like that Paul has stated no matter what he, how he feels about those guys, he always says, look, we would not have gotten to where we are without them. And they are, he always gives them that, that credit, even if he takes a lot of it away in his book, which he does. He definitely does do that from the excerpts that I listened to. Um, John agrees with Robbie F Peter Chris. He ruined the final autograph I needed for my history book by smearing his autograph with the side of his palm. You know, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I have to tell you, that's not the first time that I've heard of him doing something similar. Uh, apparently he's had, he had a lot of problems with that history book and that he, I think maybe I read it in an interview or something. Maybe he was talking to Eddie trunk. He had a lot of sour grapes about that book. Was this in the nineties when this happened? He had a lot of sour grapes about some book and would sometimes not even sign it for people or something. Um, John wants to add salt to the wound and say that he's a light drum hitter. He was lame. Maybe had jazz trop jazz chops, but still lame. Ouch. Ouch. Um, Von Fett Miller says a couple of years ago, I took my then 11 year old to see Kiss's first U S show of their current final tour or whatever they're calling it. LOL. And it was awesome. Now, now one thing that Gene has said about Paul is that Paul can't sing anymore. Paul has lost his ability to sing and that they're using um, what's it called? They're using backing stuff, back maskers that, and that if you watch certain video, I know Eddie trunk has called this out a whole bunch um, that when, when they started, it's weird to think that they started that farewell tour in 2018 kind of that's crazy. Um, but that they were calling him out for that and that gene added fuel to that fire. John, I would have had a heart attack. That stinks. You're right on the money. Light hitter. Always the weakest link. Wow. You guys hate Peter. Chris. <laughs> oh, Peter's solo album is great for target practice. Ow! But I don't understand. Wasn't Beth like one of their biggest hits? And that's the one that Peter wrote and sang on or something. I don't know. Oh, you guys don't like Peter Chris. All right. Um, I get it. I get it. Look, I'm not, I, I don't have any horse in this race. I have absolutely no horse in this race. I could give a monkey's asshole 
either way, <laughs> either which way. I just know I like Black Diamond. I like Love Gun. I like Detroit Rock City. I like Strutter. I love the Donnas do a cover of Strutter. That's really great. And so shockingly, just despite the fact that I am not a fan of Kiss per se, Detroit Rock City is one of my all-time favorite films of all time. That's right. Detroit Rock City, super important, monumental film for me. And I love it, love it, love it to death, truly. Um, oh, we've got a lot more comments. Paul says, no, sorry. Um, Minister of Darkness says, Paul has not been able to sing since 2005. Wow. Foot and mouth gene moment. He said, Kiss Music was about enjoying life and beauty in the world, unlike Black Sabbath. But their new drummer was Eric Singer, who played in Sabbath. (laughs) Once Kiss career ends, so does Eddie Trunks. Guy has nothing to talk about aside from Paul or Gene. You know, I I guess that's something that me and Eddie Trunk have in common. Because once I run out of things to talk about with the Misfits, I'm a big drummer! I constantly stress about that. I'm like, oh, I have nothing to talk about. What am I going to do? <laughs> I could only imagine what Eddie Trunk. No, but like Eddie Trunk could pour over, you know, the ass crack hair Gene Simmons for the next 20 decades with all the stuff that's out there. If you really wanted to. Um, Beth was originally called Beck. It was garbage. Originally Bob Ezrin. The producer of Destroyer was the real brains behind Beth. Interesting. I wonder if he got a piece of that action. Did he, you think he got any points for that? Um, there was definitely they were definitely using backing tracks at the show. This is Von Mil- Von Fett who said he took his kid to the show. There's a point during Psycho Circus where Eric messed up on the drums and Paul turns around to yell at him just as Paul's voice is here heard saying, "Yeah, that is that's hilarious." Um, the replacements do a great cover of Black Diamond. I am going to go look that up as soon as I get off this. You got lots of bands. No, I know. I know. I know I have lots of bands to, to dissect, but I just, it's just funny because like it's Ravi's comment was funny because that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> like, oh no, it's so precious. They're so, the- that's why when like Glenn or like uh, Doyle has done like an interview, I'm like, Something, something to pour over. Woo. No, I mean that's why we that's why we expanded. That's why we expand here. So we can do, yeah, we talk about the Ramones, we talk about wow stuff, we talk about Beatles here. Uh plenty to go around. Plenty to go around. I was made for loving you was the Ramones' favorite kiss song. I think that might be the most punk rock thing I've ever heard, actually. Um Oh, yeah, he gets a big piece of that pie. He's credited as a co-writer on a bunch of tracks on Destroyer. So even even in those early days, uh, Gene and Paul had help. They had help. They had Bob Ezrin in there doing stuff. That's interesting. So, I mean, they've always needed help with with songwriting, you know, whether whether they were working together or not. That's why I mean, that's why, like, Bruce Kelnick and Vinnie Vincent, all those guys were so important, I guess. They're kind of integral. They're kind of integral to that sort of stuff, you know. Boy, songwriting credit, man. You get a co-writing credit on a song that blows up. That is like minting yourself, especially when it's like a hit. You know, people laugh at one-hit wonders, but 
like you don't realize it's the one hit wonders okay you could be the third the grateful dead and it would be very lucrative to be the grateful dead and have a song book of 500 songs and you know a a, a vault containing 30 years worth of recordings um that you could release literally to the end of time right i mean that's what they could do with with grateful dead with grateful dead stuff or you could be the guy that wrote fucking mambo number five or like you know just that one song that or uh, especially if it's a christmas song and you are eating every year just to give you a, a tandem understanding of this Paul McCartney, we know how rich Paul McCartney is. He's worth over a billion dollars, one of the most successful songwriters. He's got the Beatles catalog alone. Do you know what track lucratively brings him more money every year than like anything else or what's kept him afloat or what kept him afloat? Let's just say what, what definitely helped during, you know, the rough in rougher years. Not that Paul McCartney had any real rough years. It's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Why? Because he was the writer he was the producer he published it and he was the engineer and he played every instrument that track is entirely paul mccarty do you know how much he makes per year on that so that one track four hundred thousand dollars he makes four hundred thousand dollars a year from that song i don't know i don't know if it's like that today but it was like that for many, 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 many years. Even the, like, look at a, even if you're in a movie, like look at like the actors in like a Christmas story or like, even in like, if you were, if you were at home alone, they get, they still get, they're still cash and residual checks. They're not big residual checks, but if you got a check for a thousand dollars every year around Christmas time, because you acted in a movie when you were seven years old, I'm not talking about Paul McCartney. I'm not talking about Macaulay Culkin either. I'm talking about one of like, like the little like siblings or something like, that's that's pretty awesome, dude. That is pretty awesome. Um. So yeah, Vince says Ace Freely was and maybe still is a big collector of German military paraphernalia, and so was Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people I know that collect uh, German paraphernalia. It's uh, you'd be surprised. Very. Um, very off-putting. I thought I found it to be very off-putting, but maybe that's just me personally. Um, Peter Chris didn't play at all in the last two albums he's credited on. I, I knew this. I, I this I did know. Pretty sure they copied Slate a bit. Heard about Black Diamond Brigade, a supergroup featuring members of Faith No More, Satyricon, and Trevor Negro. I have not. You do a whole series on Desmond Child's songwriting credits. I bet we could. I bet we could. Um, Kiss was the first mainstream band that I was into. I remember being in preschool or maybe kindergarten. And while all the other kids were cutting out snowflakes from folded pieces of paper, I was folding pieces of paper and cutting out Gene's demon makeup instead of snowflakes. That's awesome. That's a great memory. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Brian May is the same with the amount of royalties he gets from We Will Rock You. Every sporting event in the world has to play pay year-round. Yeah. I mean, that's just one Queen song. That's not even Bohemian Rhapsody, which, by the way, owes uh, a debt of credit to 
Michael Myers, who sort of Mike Myers, um, you know, insisted on having that 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 song be put in Wayne's World, which gave Queen a bit of resurgence in the early 90s and really sort of solidified Bohemian Rhapsody for a whole new generation. And it was very interesting to see in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody to see that Michael Myers plays the guy who's giving Queen like crap about putting uh, putting Bohemian Rhapsody out as a single because it's such a long song. And I, I just think it's so apropos that it was him when in real life, you know, he was such such a proponent of getting it on the soundtrack. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Um, did you have fun tonight, guys? I had fun. That was fun. It wasn't it wasn't too much beef. It was it was a light beef. It was uh it was a low fat beef. There was no real beef in that beef. Uh we'll pick out a good beef. What do you want to see be- talked about on here beef wise? Send me some beefs that you think would be good for this channel and we'll beef it up. Cause I like doing the beefs. The beefs are fun. That last one we did was great. Even though it was demonetized because of uh some of Johnny Rotten's language, which really frustrates me. It wasn't it was it was limited. It was limited because of his language that was used. Uh Kiss is my favorite soap opera. Says D- DLW says Kiss is my favorite soap opera and certainly one of my favorite bands ever, an acquired taste. I load them in my teens and got them when I turned 25. Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't like, again, I know one of their most popular songs. We've talked about Black Diamond several times now, but I know one of the most popular songs was Black Diamond, but I did not come to Black Diamond until I was in my late 30s. And I was like, holy crap, that's a great song. It came late. Michael Bolton wrote a Kiss song too. Anyone knows which one? I did not know that. You know, Kiss is very interesting. It is an interesting sort of very, there's a lot of history here. A lot of history. Ace was the best part of Kiss. Yeah, a lot of people will agree with you. A lot of loyal Ace fans, right? Isn't isn't rule of thumb on the solo albums? Ace's solo album is like the just the the barn burner, right? Something like that. Every time we we play this one, it lights up like a damn Christmas tree. <laughs> Oh, Henry Rollins and Greg Ginn. That that's a pretty good one. That could be a good one. Ace showed up in Gene's hotel room in a fascist uniform, knowing full well his mother was in a concentration camp, even though he's my childhood uh, hero. F that a hole. Yeah, I mean that's terrible. That's really nasty. And as someone who is Jewish myself, I would take great offense to that. But I don't, you know, why is he doing it? He's doing it to to piss off Gene. He's doing it to piss off Gene. He's being a dick, you know. Um, inexcusable, I might add. And again, I that's something I would punch Ace in the face for as well. Um, but yeah, you know. I, I, let me tell you, I've been shocked by people. I've been really shocked by people with with stuff like that. I've seen, I saw things that really, really took me aback. Um, but, you know, it's not not a nice thing to do. Not a nice thing to do, especially, I, I have to say, as I said at the beginning of the stream, I really admire Gene's story is his story, the story of his mother and the story that he, the fact that he comes from nothing, it, it really is unreal. Like the way he just sort of, you know, <sighs> 
Okay, someone else seconds the Greg Ginn beef. That's gonna, I'm going to have to sort of dig in to put that together. It's going to be a little bit more. There's not like a single video that we could watch that will help us. We'll have to sort of take a look at that from a lot of different angles. <laughs> Glenn Danzig versus Mankind, of course. Forever was the song that Michael Bolton co-wrote with Paul. Ace is so delusional, he thinks that Scorsese sh should direct his biopic. Paul, okay, that's crazy. Paul donned the, the uniform as well. Little known fact, Paul being a Jew, donning the fascist uniform. Not a, not a proud moment for Paul. Shame on him. Sean McGowan, I will tell you that I was, um, I had an option. I was in a place where I had an option where I could sleep on a mattress underneath a a fascist flag of the of that variety and chose instead to sleep in a in a RV outside because I refused to sleep under that flag. And drew a little star of David too in that house. Nobody knew I was a Jew. Crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Really let that one sort of roll off my shoulders. <clears throat> Jello versus the Dead Kennedys. That's a great one. Mark, I don't know who that is. I don't know who the Connor is. And I don't know. Is that wrestling with David Lee Roth versus Van Halen? That's a good one. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do another beef. When the beef comes to me, we'll, we'll pick one of those. I like the, the Rollins. Uh, Greg Ginn is a good one, but I got to do some reading. I got to read up on that one a little bit. I read the book, The Story of Black Flag, uh, Six Pack, The Story of Black Flag. It's a pretty good read. Um, but in that book, they don't really make it. It's not really like. I mean, Greg Ginn is such like a passive aggressive guy. No, not Jeff from Mello, Jeff from Aselli. Jeff from Aselli. That's right. Oh, God. What a what a what a terrible situation. If anybody wants to know what I'm referring to, go look up the Blitz Kid Tour Stories clip or go find it in the Loki episode where I, I talked about what happened almost 10 years ago next year. Um, and it's funny, I just found my, you know, I do a video journal. I've kept a video journal for many, many, many years. And I found that video journal entry. And it was just so interesting to hear what I said in that video journal entry at that time. That's what's amazing about having a video journal. Like I could tell you what time of day it was. I could tell you what I was wearing. It's so much more than just a written journal. But the, the, the nice thing about having a written journal is that you're thinking about every word that you're kind of writing down. It's cool. Oh, Screaming Trees. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, not, Screaming Trees is a huge, huge blind spot. We could do Pixies and Kim Deal would also be a good one. Ozzy and Sabbath, a good one. Oh, I'm about to say something that's going to piss so many people off. Um, if you have to give me a choice between Ozzy and Dio, I'm going to pick Dio. Yeah, if we were going to do it, it would be SS everyone on SST versus Greg Ginn. Greg Ginn versus the, the world. Dio and Vivian Campbell. You guys just, you have a millions and millions of them. This is a really fun stream. I have to go to sleep now. Tomorrow night, we're going to do the streaming Evil Live show early because on, on Wednesday, we're doing um, Nightmare Alley, a review of Nightmare Alley, the film noir that was reinvented and imagined by 
what's his face? Uh, Yelmo del Toro did a fantastic job masterpiece. So tune in for that. Check out. We just reviewed the matrix on this channel. So if you watch the new matrix and you want to hear what our thoughts were, um, I had my friend Bob Rose on, go check that out. We also reviewed Spider-Man recently. We did Ghostbusters. Go check those out. We got a couple other beefs. We did the beef between Marky Ramon and Johnny Rotten. That was a lot of fun. Um, got some stuff coming up, more stuff, more videos, more videos for the Patreons. That's right. If you are a Patreon subscriber, uh, stay, stay tuned. I have not, I have to, I have to re up on the Lodi files. Uh, so that's been a process, but as I always say, when I say I'm going to deliver something, I deliver it. Uh, it just might take me a little bit longer than normal. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, happy new year. Pete, right. Exactly. Peace and hair grease. Um, Maybe we'll find more to talk about with Kiss too. I'll try to do uh, another Kiss episode. It seems to be uh, an enjoyable sort of uh, topic. I, I like talking about it for sure. Um, but like I said, there's lots of Patreon videos coming. Do you know anything about the Patreon? Let me tell you about it. Peace and hair green. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.